Welcome to the Vineyard Cleveland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For further information and other resources, please visit vineyardcleveland.org. This morning we're going to be starting a new series. And so if you're joining us for the first time or you're joining us online, it's a great time to be joining us here at Vineyard Cleveland because you've caught us at the beginning of a new series, which we're calling When Jesus is Lord. When Jesus is Lord. And we're going to be talking about many different areas of life. And as that relates to discipleship and following Jesus as Lord, his lordship. Of course, there's an implied sort of obedience when we talk about the lordship of Jesus. It implies that if Jesus is Lord, then we are not. If Jesus is Lord, then we are not. And that's sort of the big idea throughout the course of this message series, that when Jesus is Lord, we are not. And that's very countercultural to say in our society today. So we're going to be talking about all sorts of different things. We're going to be talking about our time Talent, treasure, yeah, we'll talk about money here. We're not a money-grubbing, hungry church, but if Jesus is to be Lord of our lives, money's a really important aspect of stewardship. That's the hinge pin, stewardship. How are we to be good stewards of this life that Jesus has entrusted to us, has put in us as followers of Jesus? So, Money, family, relationships, our work, the natural environment. How are we to care for creation and community? The community that we enjoy as followers of Jesus. If Jesus is Lord of a community, I'm just curious to see what he will do. As I was um, preparing and engaging with this idea of when Jesus is Lord through the month of November and December, I really felt like this is what is on God's heart for our church. That in the course of 2022, this is to be a year proclaiming that Jesus is Lord and living unto the Lord. He's not just a priority, a high priority in our life. He's Lord. He's not just for Sundays. He's Lord. He's Lord over all the earth and the heavens. And so my question to the Lord as I was praying was, what does it look like when truly a community of people live as Jesus is Lord? I want to get to 2023 and say together, together with one voice that 2022 was lived unto the Lord. And with one voice say and demonstrate that Jesus is Lord. So that's what we're going to be talking about. And by way of introduction into the series, we're going to be hopping around Scripture today. But if you had your Bibles and you wanted to turn to Philippians, if you have a Bible on your phone or you have a paperback or hardback, whatever it is, uh, and you wanted to turn to Philippians with me, if you don't have a Bible, we'd love to get a Bible in your hands. We love the Word of God here. We believe it is the inspired Word of God, and every word is God-breathed. He's speaking to us. It's infallible. It's the highest truth. We hold the words of God in our hands. So you're welcome to pick up a Bible on either side of the stage. It's a gift to you. 
And we're going to be hopping around today, but in Philippians, we're going to see an anchor point for the entire sermon series, for the message series. In chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. And so this, can, this scripture can be used as an anchor point for our hearts, for our minds, for our lives as we journey this uh, series together. And Paul writes this to the church at Philippi, second chapter, verse 9. Well, let's start at 8, because we read there the beginning of 9, therefore. So we've got to find out what it's there for. And being found, in verse 8, in appearance as a man, talking about Jesus, he humbled himself, as Ben reminded us this morning, and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Here it is. Verse 9, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, this morning's going to be a straight preach. Sometimes... Is that all right with y'all? It's just going to be a straight preach this morning. So buckle up. Here we go. Every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We just looked at it over the month of December and through the month, uh, through the course of the season of Advent. We read in Luke 2, 11, for today in the city of David, there's been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And you know, in these days, in these dark days, people are trying to find their own way to peace. They push their way into power. They bully their way into friendship. They try to numb their way into mental health or emotional health. But I'm here to say this morning that I know where a poor man can get a chance. I know where a sick man can get well. I know where a bad man can become made good. And I know where a good man can become made better. And I know where a dead man can come alive. And it's in the person of Jesus because Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. It's true. It's all found. Everything that we search for in this life and the life after, everything centers on and is found in the life of Jesus. It finds its fulfillment in the person of Jesus. Jesus is Lord. Paul says it best in Romans. He says in Romans 14, 9, if we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. Whoa, a lot to unpack there. So what what about this term, this word, this title, Lord? Does it mean? What does it mean when we say Jesus Christ is Lord. 
I know I'm breaking my promise a little bit on the straight preach here, but bear with me by way of definition as we get into a little bit of Greek and a little bit of Hebrew and a little bit of Latin and Old English because the root of this word Lord in the Greek is kiros. Kiros, it means master. There's a root word of supremacy or overall or authority. Overall. The Latin word is dominus. Dominate, dominus. And in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, this word Lord, it's, it's a name that approaches the highest name. You know, in the, in the Hebrew, they, they wouldn't even say God's name. It was so sacred, they abbreviated with letters because he was so holy. He was so perfect. We couldn't even approach We had to abbreviate. And so in Hebrew, this word Lord, God Almighty, Jehovah is the closest the Hebrew, the Jewish people would come to saying his name. So in all of the Old Testament, when we read in the Psalms, which we will this morning about the Lord, what they're doing is ascribing the highest possible title without actually saying the name, the sacred name of God. The Lord. And in Old English, when we use it today, or when anybody uses it today, the etymology of this word Lord is really interesting, and I found really interesting this week. It's coming from two root words. And the definition literally means from this word, which is Hlafford, H-L-A-F-O-R-D, Hlafford, is a contraction And it literally means one who guards the loaves. One who who keeps the bread, keeps keeps safe the loaves of bread. Isn't that interesting? One who is Lord is the guardian, the keeper of the loaves. It's true, the Great Commission, when Jesus empowers his disciples to go out and preach and demonstrate the kingdom of God hangs on the very notion of who Jesus is as Lord. In Matthew 28, 16 through 20, we read this, that then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When he saw them, they worshiped him, but some doubted. When Jesus came to them and said, here it is, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, therefore, because he's Lord, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey. There's the implied obedience thing there. Everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Man, tough assignment, Jesus. Good night. Tough assignment. Tough assignment. To make disciples of all of the nations. To baptize them. To, to have people obey everything that Jesus has taught. That's, a, that's an impossible assignment. If Jesus isn't Lord. Jesus is really into impossible assignments, isn't he? If you've received an assignment from Jesus, you'll know because that assignment will seem impossible. 
Like, you can't do it on your own. And there's a reason for that. Because Jesus is Lord, and we are not. The Great Commission hangs on the Lordship of Jesus, and the psalmist David David reminds us that everything belongs to him. Owner, guardian, keeper of the, of the loaves. Psalm 24, 1 through 3. David writes, the earth is the Lord's. And everything in it, the world and all who live in it, for he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord and who may stand in his holy place, David is saying, everything that we could see, touch, taste, hear, feel belongs to you, God. You are Lord. You are the owner. David is saying, hey, look, God didn't need to put a signature on the corner of a sunrise. He's the owner. David's saying, look, God didn't need to brand the side of a cattle on a thousand hills. He's the owner. Hey, God didn't need to carve his initials into the side of a mountain. He's the owner. He owns it all. He didn't need to take out a copyright for the song that he gave the birds to sing. He's the owner. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Even in the Shema, which uh, Hebrew parents teach to their children at a very young age, this title of Lord is taught to Hebrew children to this day. The very first words out of their mouth are, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. Love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give to you today are to be written on your hearts. So in the New Testament, in our day, the Lord is a title that's given as a mark of respect. When we say Lord, it's a mark of respect. And there's an implied obedience that goes along with that if we claim Jesus as Lord. And Peter speaks to it in Acts when he's addressing a crowd, a multitude. In Acts 2.36, he says, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah, Interesting that Peter says that, both Lord and Messiah. And what Peter is doing is he's saying, God has made him to be Lord and Messiah. Messiah, or Christ, to represent the thing that God has done to get you and I into right relationship with himself. He's the only way. He's the only Savior. Messiah to represent what God has done for us. And Lord to represent the thing that we ought to do as a result of him redeeming us, buying us back, to put us into relationship with him. There's an implied obedience when we say these words that Jesus is Lord. It implies a response from our lives. He's the master. Jesus is the master. He possesses our very life. All of our lives are in his hands. Even the breath that we drew this morning as we awoke, when we were sleeping, breathing, without knowing, unconsciously, that breath that we draw from our chests, 
We don't possess that. God puts that breath in our lungs. The Lord. For it's in Him that we live, we move, and we have our being. He's our Father. And running the verge of of sounding legalistic, I hope I'm not. I hope I'm not, but we ought to obey. We ought to. If we say He is Lord, we ought to. What else can we do? We call him Lord. Everything belongs to him anyway. He's our father. He's our hope. He's our help. The Lord's our hope. He's he's our help. David says in Psalms 46, I love it. God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though The world is stricken by a pandemic. The world is stricken by a pandemic, though there's rumors of wars and wars, though pressure is mounting on the Russian border. People are angry, canceling one another, everything in, in our society. Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fail. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts His voice. The earth melts. Here it is. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. God is our help. He's our hope. The Lord is our hope and our help. And no clearer picture do we see of the lordship of Jesus than in his life, in the person of Jesus, that he is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord because he walked down the stairway of heaven. He was born in Bethlehem. He was hidden in Egypt. He was brought up in Nazareth. He was baptized in the Jordan. He was tempted in the wilderness. He performed miracles without medicine, free of charge to anybody. He went to Calvary for your sin and for my sin. And while he was on the cross, Jesus said several things. And as the thief turned to Jesus and said, if you're really the Christ, if you are who you say you are, come down off that cross and save yourself and save us. And Jesus didn't reply one word. But it seemed to say in the silence what Jesus seemed to be saying in response was, you just wait until Sunday. You just wait until Sunday and I'll show you that it's better to come up out of a grave than it is to come down from a cross. Jesus Christ is Lord. He died. Then he died. He was dead. Jesus, don't listen to a fool's hope if they tell you, oh, well, can we really know if Jesus died? Jesus was stone cold dead in the ground in a borrowed tomb from Joseph. 
The very stone that God's hands had formed and created was the same stone that would be rolled away on Sunday morning. He was dead. I don't like to stay there, though. I don't like to stay there on Friday because it just didn't stop there. It didn't stop there. Jesus displayed and expressed his power and his dominion over all things, even death itself, we read in the Chronicles of Narnia, began to work in reverse. And Jesus rose up from the grave and rose again, defeating death, telling death, where is your sting? You no longer hold power over the sons and daughters of earth. Because of his death and resurrection, it didn't stop there. He didn't just rise from the dead. God seated him at the highest place and gave him the name above every other name. That at his name, every knee will bow and every tongue confess. Seated there to judge the wicked and the righteous. Lord over the wicked and the righteous. Grace flattening the curve over everybody. The even playing field of grace in the palm of Jesus' hands. And there he sits at the right hand of the Father. And he didn't just stop there. He sent his Holy Spirit to live inside of our chests. That same power that was used to raise Jesus from the dead, Jesus says that power now lives in you. You, you, you. Not just special people. Not just powerful people. Not just poor people. Not just black people. Not just white people. All people who claim Jesus is Lord have the same power, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, living inside of us. He's Lord because He has all power. All power is given to Him. And over the centuries, human beings have tried to strip God of His power. We want to be in control. We want the power. But Jesus' power is so definite and so authoritative and so complete and so fulfilled and so satisfied that you can't destroy. What are you going to do? Destroy the power of God? What power do you have? Who am I? You try to destroy the power of Jesus, the lordship of Jesus by fire, and he'll refuse to burn. You try to destroy the power of Jesus by water, and he'll walk on it. You try to destroy the power of Jesus by law, and you won't find any fault in him. You try to destroy the power of Jesus by empire, and he'll break it. You try to destroy the power of Jesus by absence and rejection and loneliness and you'll find a still small voice. Lo, I stand at the door and knock and he who invites me in, I will sup with him and eat with him and be with him. We can't destroy the power of God, the lordship of Jesus, for he is power in and of himself. He's risen. He's the Lord. His name stands as a synonym for free healing and friendly help and full salvation. His name's like 
A harmony is to our ears. His name's like honey is to our taste. In his birth, we find our significance. In his life, we find our example. In his cross, we find our hope. In our redemption, in his resurrection, hope and redemption. In his name and to his name and at his name and for his name and through his name, every knee will bow. Every knee. How many people are on the planet right now? Is it nine billion at this point? I don't know. Roughly around nine. Who really knows? Nine billion knees planted before the throne of Jesus. And every knee that's gone before. Young knees, old knees, black knees, white knees, rich knees, poor knees, proud knees, humble knees, strong knees, feeble knees, weak knees, willing knees, and even the stubborn knee, Eben. Bow the knee before the lordship of Jesus because Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord, and one knee, one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that He is Lord. So we can truly live. We don't have to wait. You know, you hear some people say, well, I'll just wait. I'll put off the lordship of Jesus until I'm on my deathbed. But if we could hear from those who have passed away before us, they would say, don't wait. And I tell you this morning, don't wait. Let's acknowledge the Lordship of Jesus today. Right now is your moment of salvation. Today in the town of David, a Christ has been born. His name's Jesus. He's the Lord. Today, don't wait. Let's not wait. Let's live and acknowledge him as Lord today through the year 2022 so that we can truly live And we do that through the love of the Lord. The love of the Lord. The the unfathomable, deep love of God in the person of Jesus. The Lord is love. His love is stronger than sin. It's deeper than sorrow. It's mightier than death. The Lord is my light, brighter than any darkness. The Lord is my strength when I feel weak and weary. The Lord is my salvation when no one else came to save me. The Lord is my rock when I felt I was crumbling. The Lord is my fortress when my enemies were attacking me. The Lord is my deliverer, my shield, my high tower. As we, as we come to see him for who he is and we begin to speak the truth of what's really going on in our world. You know, there's a big push towards like, can you really believe what you see? Can you really believe? What is truth? And I would argue in a lot of circles in our society, that's even an old question. You know, we've moved on so far as a society to say there is no truth. You can't believe what people put out there, whether it's the media, whether it's someone in authority, whether it's your mother, your brother, your sister. Fake news we hear. Fake news. You can't believe anything you hear. Oh, how do we build a society on that when no one is trusting one another? The heart of men is deceitful. And where do we find the truth? Where do we find out what's really going on? We find it in the lordship of Jesus, that Jesus will always tell us the truth about what's going on. 
We don't have to rely on other sources. He's the primary source. When we get in his word, when we get engaged in community, when we live our lives as Jesus is Lord, unto the Lord, we'll find that the truth begins to set us free. We go to him for truth. We go to Jesus for truth. The Lord is truth. And in Psalm 23, we have this beautiful description of who the Lord is. And it's read a lot of times at funerals. And I wanted to read it this morning anew for us. In verses 1 through 6, David writes, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I will not want. I shall not want. There's a story of this little girl. And it's her turn at Sunday school to get up and read the 23rd Psalm in front of everybody. And she gets up and she says, The Lord is my shepherd. I don't want anything else. And everybody said, You're saying it wrong. I say, You're saying it right. The Lord is my shepherd. You're all I want. Everybody's running around. I'm, I'm missing this. If I, I don't have enough money or I don't have my health. The funny thing is, is that we spend all kinds of money trying to get health. And then once we get the money, we try to get our health back. If it's not falling apart over here, it's stable over here. Everything's crumbling. Everything's finite. If it's not church folk or kin folk or your friends mooching out off you, your enemy's attacking you. And if your enemy's not attacking you, it's just, it's everywhere, right? It's too much. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. I will not lack for rest. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. I will not lack for refreshment. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. I will not lack for guidance. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no fear, for you are with me. I will not lack because I have Emmanuel, God with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I will not lack for comfort. I will not lack for an advocate You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life. I will not lack for joy because I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let me just check to see if that says I will rent. No, it does not say I will rent. Well, hold on. Let me just check to see if it says... I will get a vacation home for two weeks. No, no, no. It says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever and ever and ever. Whose house? The Lord's house. I will dwell in His house. The one who provides all of these things for me. My very life in the palm of His hands. I will dwell with that one forever and ever and ever, and ever. You know, an old theologian used to say that unless Jesus is Lord of all, he is not Lord at all. 
Let's say it one more time. He said, unless Jesus is Lord of all, he is not Lord at all. Sit with that a moment. Let's sit with that. Because that's a really tough thing to hear. That's a really hard, that's a hard word. I'm sorry. I love you guys. That's a hard one. Unless Jesus is Lord of all, he is not Lord at all. And that's a challenge to bring every area of our lives under the sovereign rule of Jesus Christ. In other words, in our lives, there should be no rivalry for the throne of God. Ah. What would it look like for you? You know you. You're in your head. I'm not, thankfully. And you're in your head, not in mine, thankfully. No one wants to be in there. (laughs) No one wants to live rent-free up there. Um, You know. You know. For you, you know. It could be different things, like we talked about, looking for peace in different places. You could be self-medicating in a way today that's harmful to you, to your body, to your soul. You could be deeply entrenched in a web of lies with relationships around you. I don't know your story. I don't know it. I'd like to. I'll listen. But here's the reality of Jesus as Lord, is that he knows your story inside and out. And when he looks at you, regardless of all of those things, he looks on, on you through the, through the lens, the Father looks at you through the lens of Jesus. So when Jesus looks at you and seeing all of those things, all of those areas that we try to keep hidden from other people, hidden from God, that Jesus sees those things, those sins, and loves you unconditionally. The love of God is stronger than sin. Meaning that when he, when he looks at you and he sees those things, it's like he's saying, those things are paid for at the cross. And the million other things that you do that you will try to keep hidden in your future, those things too, paid at the cross. He looks on you this morning with love. An old Dutch theologian um, in the early 20th century wrote that when Jesus comes as Lord, that he comes to sweep the whole house clean. And a lot of times, myself included, we like to partition off our lives. And we have this little part, well, this is my sexuality, and this is my church life, and this is my parenting, and this is my marriage, and this is my school, and, and we have all these partitions in our lives. An old pastor friend of mine used to call it um, grapefruit Christianity. Grapefruit Christianity. 
Siri ask me to try again? Okay. Grapefruit Christianity. And what Jesus is saying as Lord is he's saying, I don't want any of those partitions. Your whole life is not grapefruit. Your whole life is one thing. And when I see your life, I see it all. I see it all. I don't see your life as partitioned off into these little places. And Jesus is saying when he comes into the house, he wants to sweep the whole thing clean. He wants to sweep the whole thing clean. He wants to give you a new life. The same power that raised him up from the grave, Jesus said, I want my my joy to be in you and your joy to be complete. He wants to give you a new life so that you can live from a place where you're saying, my life isn't partitioned off. My life is, is an open book before anybody. I'm not trying to hide anything. I can't hide. Where can I go, David says? Where can I go from your presence? If I go to the depths of the sea, you're there. When I wake, you're there. When I sleep, you're there. You can't get Jesus off your hands. He just keeps coming around, doesn't he? He's like that nosy neighbor. No matter how hard we want to try to ignore him, we can't. He just keeps on coming around. Why? Because he's a nosy neighbor? No, because he's the God of love. And he loves you that much. Where a nosy neighbor would stop after four or five times, Jesus says, no, I love you more than the nosy neighbor. I'm coming in to stay. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And so I feel like the challenge today is to ask the questions this morning. As we move into ministry... A little bit of ministry time here. Questions like, Jesus, are you really the Lord of my thoughts? Jesus, are you, are you really the Lord over my emotions? Are you the Lord over my speech, my relationships? Are you really the Lord over my possessions? Jesus, are you Lord over my whole life? And there's this little meditation that I found this week. And I'll just read it slowly. It's written by this guy named E.H. Swinstead, an old Baptist preacher. And I'll just pause after every line. It's, it's um, five, five lo- lines long. And just allow us some space to sit with each line and reflect. And for you and your heart, to just offer that up to the, to the Lord and then see what he would respond to you in your heart. And you don't have to do anything. The words aren't going to be on the screen. You don't have to pray. You can just be silent. You can be still. Just receive. Lord of every thought, in action. Lord to send and Lord to stay.
Lord in speaking, writing, giving. Lord in all things to obey. Now and evermore to be. Lord of every thought and action. Lord to send and Lord to stay. Lord in speaking, writing, giving. Lord in all things to obey. Now and evermore to be.